so it's a re- real privilege and a blessing uh, that we've got our guest speaker this morning, Fiona, Fiona Stewart. Um, Fiona uh, served, uh, did, completed two years of Bethel School of Ministry, that's right, yeah. and now an associate of a, a law f- firm in the southeast of England. So you've had quite a journey up today, but I heard you've stayed in a nice hotel overnight. Yeah. Uh, the, t- the Toll House. <laughs> Lots of continental breakfast, all you can eat there, I, I imagine. But it's great that we've got Fiona with us this morning. So I want to encourage us to not only have our Bibles open this morning, but to have our hearts open and ready to receive what God has prepared in Fiona's heart for us this morning. So let's give a good oasis welcome. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to ask, it was actually Jess who uh, asked on our behalf for you to come. So Jess is a friend through Bethel. Um, so great if you could pray for Fiona and us as, as we hear God's word this morning. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. Lord, we just thank you for um, getting Fiona here this morning. And we just um, just thank you for the message that she's going to bring um, and the, your heart that's going to come through it. And we just um, ask for open hearts this morning, open minds to what Fiona's going to bring, and um, that she would just have full confidence and authority in what she's about to say. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, church. It's lovely to be here. Um, I actually came to law school in Nottingham, so it's really nice to be back. Um, So today, I'm going to start off by getting you to open your Bibles, just to make sure you're all awake. Matthew, chapter 5, verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. Let's hang on that. We are the light of the world. And if you drop down to verse 16, it says... Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I think that's a really cool statement, that we've got to let our light shine. And so today I'm going to talk about shining in the world as it is and in your circumstances. So as you hear, I've been over in California, sunning myself and doing some ministry on the side. And while I was there, I got a great opportunity to um, go to Huntsville Prison in Texas and to go speak to some of the inmates. Now, let's put this into perspective. I'm I'm a lawyer, and my biggest fear in life is prison. And so when I got asked to go to prison, I was like, that sounds really great. But no, I don't think I want to go to prison, thanks. It is my biggest fear. And then someone very um, super spiritually said... Where there's fear, that is where you're meant to shine. So I went to prison. So I rock up outside Huntsville Prison, and there's barbed wire everywhere. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm, I'm really excited about this. I'm, I'm not quite sure what you're doing with me here, but I'll go, share, I'll go share the word and speak about Jesus, and it's going to be great. And so I go through security check, and I get my bag checked, and I get patted down as you do, and I go on through, and I enter the building, and you can't even imagine it. You walk into a cage, and there's yellow lights, and all the men are peering out, because there's a young woman in their prison now, and they're just grating their hands across the bars, and I'm like, okay, Jesus, where there's fear, I'm meant to shine, this is going to be great. So I walk past all the men, and they're all nicely saying hello. And I get through the prison, 
And I come across a building not dissimilar to this. And it's the chapel that's been built um, by people who have given money um, to the prison. And I walk in, and it is, it's beautiful. It's got stained glass like this building. And I'm like, okay, this, this seems a bit more comfortable for me. Um, I can do this. And I walk up to this group of gentlemen. And now all I know is that they believe in Jesus and that they're meeting at the prayer chapel. But what I didn't know is that they were there to teach me about life. So can I get you just to play the video? Well, this, there's, a, there's a pretty amazing story that's, that's taking place on this unit. And um, it, all, it all really kind of started with one letter that was written. So, you know, I committed a crime when I was 19, and they gave me a 35-year sentence. And, you know, I just come to this prison, and I remember everybody used to tell me all the time that, you know, when you come to prison with a lot of time, that the first... The first thing you need to do is to forget about the world, you know. That prison is all that there is, and you know, it's all that there's going to be for a long time. In prison, I started, I ended up in a gang, you know, a prison gang, which I started getting into violence and stuff like that. You know, I've been doing time since I was 13 years old. I felt the shame and the guilt that comes with, you know, being incarcerated because it's a level of rejection that not many people are aware of. But when it gets to the point where society rejects you and you don't feel good enough to be in society and they lock you up and you start believing all the lies, you start believing that you're nothing, you believe that you're this offender because that's the tag that they place on you and you start start being a little something less than human. And I honestly, I, I got to the point where I, I didn't believe, I didn't believe in God at all. I, I was involved in Satanism and uh, I spent 12 years in administrative segregation where I was confined to myself for 23 hours a day and I pretty much hated God for all my life. I decided to, to write a letter to, to Banning Leapshire, who was the author of that book, and uh, ask him, you know, ask him if, if he would help find me a spiritual father because that's, that's what he talked about in one of the sections in his book. He talked about the importance of, of us having spiritual fathers and mothers that we were connected to. I've heard people say stuff like, you know, when God speaks to you, it's like piercing your heart, you know? And I mean, I can honestly say, like, that's exactly what happened to me. You know, God pierced my heart. And it was like in a moment, man, in a moment, God spoke to me. And just, I had no more doubt, you know? Even though I go through stuff, I know how to deal with it because of the, you know, school of transformation, everything that I've taken from reading When Heaven Invades Earth, uh, Keep Your Love On, Danny Silk, The Culture of Honor, Spirit Wars, Chris. You know, I read some of them books and that kind of just like, it, <laughs> you know, even though I read so much of the Bible, but I never saw you know, they just, you know, it's like they just took everything what I known and just, you know, that's what I, you know, I'm free, you know. It doesn't bother me. I'm free. You know, like when so many stuff that Bill Johnson teaches and Chris and, you know, Danny, it's just like, you know, I, I just, I'm just so thankful 
that I was able to get under that, you know, and uh, and it's like I'm so thankful that God, you brought the school and you know allowed it to happen in here and allowed us to be a part of everything that's going on in at Bethel, you know, because like you know you can hear the testimonies and stuff, but and it's like man, you know. I mean, you, it's just so many people in this prison, man, that we all got the same thing. We say, man, I never, I never felt freer in my life. He's called me and, and said that I am his masterpiece, his work of art. You know, I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid. You know, I'm not. Man, like, if you could just feel it, man, when, like whenever we get together, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's just unlike any other class because, like, we got a bond so strong. And it's like, because we truly love each other. And it's, it, it's like God's showing us that it can't be broken because it's made of love. <laughs> like uh, my brother Paul was just telling me yesterday, uh, you know, we were talking about, written about revival or riot, you know. Talking about the book of Acts. He said either, either revival happened or a riot popped off. And it's like either we're going to either step out there and be bold or we're going to be scared of like maybe something negative will happen from this. Maybe these guys will attack us or because they don't want to hear it. And you got guys like that around here. You know, they go, they'll, do, they'll go off on you if you try to tell them about God. But it's like, we're either going to be scared or we're going to start a revival. experience to walk into a room and meet with revivalists who were incarcerated, dressed in white, with no freedom, saying to me, I'm free. That I live a fuller life than most people in the outside world. And I was like, there's something to be taken from these men that are in a position where they're experiencing the goodness of God on a daily basis, and they are incarcerated. So it got me thinking, what have they got? that we haven't captured in the outside world. I'll give you a testimony of Chris. So Chris was a gentleman um, who spoke quite a bit, who said that he, he went into prison at, at 19 for 35 years. So Chris was in a nightclub one night and got in a fight. So as you do, pulled his gun out and shot the guy. And at sentencing, he was um, standing in, in, the, in the box and um, the victim's mother came over and said, can you look into my eyes? And Chris said, I couldn't. 
And she went, it doesn't matter that you can't look in my eyes. I want you to know that I forgive you. And Chris says that in that moment, he couldn't take the forgiveness. He was like, no, I, I, I shot someone. I killed your son. And he went to prison. And a few years later, he met with Jesus in his prison cell. And he was like, I want to feel the forgiveness. And just as Jesus does, Pam, the mother of the victim, called up the prison the following week and booked an appointment to see him. And Pam met with Chris and forgave him to his face for a second time. And Pam is now his spiritual mum, and she meets with him often. So on the day that I was visiting, um, Chris said to me, can we, can we pray for Pam? Pam has breast cancer, but not, not on my watch. This is my mum, not on my watch. And I, I was firstly humbled at his audacity to call her mum, but secondly in the freedom that he had to call her mum. So we met and we prayed. And two weeks after my visit, I got a call to say Pam was cancer-free. It was incredible. So the freedom that I experienced through the prison, that I saw tangibly, I put down to vision. That the season that they're in isn't the vision they were living out. And someone in the Bible who is similar-minded is Joseph. So if I can turn you to Genesis, chapter 37. Now, I'm going to do a whistle-stop tour of, uh, of Joseph. So if anyone here doesn't know the story of Joseph, this is literally a golden story and super fun and entertaining. So it's worth a read. So chapter 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. I'm going to ad hoc do this now. So Joseph is the youngest of 17 brothers, and he is the favorite, the golden child, as you'd like to say. Joseph has a dream. He is given a vision from God about his life and a future season. Now, Joseph may have not been too sensitive about his dream. You'll understand why. But he basically went to his brothers and said, hey guys, listen up, I've had a dream. He said, we were binding sheaves of corn out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now I've got two elder brothers. This would have been their response too. Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then Joseph had another dream and he told it again to his brothers. Again, I probably would have done the same. This time, the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. So when he told his brother, his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you've had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So let's fast forward a bit. Joseph then goes to find his brothers in a field. His brothers absolutely hate him and are like, let's kill him off. We're fed up with his dreams. He's a lunatic. Let's get rid of him. 
However, he had a nice brother. He said, let's not kill him. And so they ended up selling him to some passing travelers who took him to the land of Egypt. Can you imagine Joseph, who believes in God, has had a vision, knows they're all going to bow down to him, and is now being sold to travelers? Not quite sure how I feel about it. Anyhow, he ends up in what we would call a political house. Potiphar and his wife. This is a really interesting part of the story, and as I say, if you haven't read this story, it's worth a read. Now, what I take from Joseph on his travel is um, stated in chapter 29, verse 2. It said, the Lord was with Joseph. And what is so poignant about the story of Joseph is in the Bible, it reaffirms all the time, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. The anointing of the Lord was on Joseph. Anyhow, Potiphar's wife, quite like the look of Joseph, must have been a quite handsome man. He wasn't too interested. He says no. She ends up getting him arrested, and he ends up in prison. So down at chapter 20, it says, Whilst Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all that was held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Can you imagine being Joseph? Again, you've had this dream, your brothers are bowing down to you, and now you're in prison. And what's so similar to Joseph as it was to the men that I met with in Huntsville is that they embraced the season they were in. That Joseph wasn't kicking up a stink, being like, I've done nothing wrong. I am blameless in the eyes of the Lord. Get me out of the prison. Instead, he was like, I'm in prison. The Lord is with me. I have favor. And I'm going to use it to my advantage. I'm going to shine my light in the season I'm in. And I'm going to glorify the Lord. So anyhow, he interprets some dreams this time. The people he interprets the dreams for doesn't remember it. And eventually, Pharaoh needs his help. He has a couple of dreams. He has no one to interpret it. And Joseph gets the honor of going before him. If you flick over to chapter 41, verse 28. Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream, and he says, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. So what did Pharaoh say? Let's look for a discerning and wise man who I can put in charge of all the land of Egypt. And then at 37, he says, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the spirit of, the, of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made this all known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of all my palace and all my people, and I'll submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater to you. Pharaoh is saying, I'm going to bow down to you because you have the wisdom of the Lord inside of you. Pharaoh wasn't a Christian. He was the, he was the top man, and he was going to be even greater because he had Joseph looking after his country. And as we know, 
Joseph did take charge, and Joseph did an amazing job. And in the end, the whole world came to Egypt in order to take grain from what Joseph had provided. What gets me about this is that we have a biblical example of how to be present in our season, but have hope for our future. And the gentleman that I met in prison, in, in prison showed me that I've got to have an eternal perspective. And in order to have an internal perspective, I need a vision of today. That is so important for me to spend time in the presence of the Lord and say, okay, give me a vision for what's going to happen or the season I'm in. So I can cling on to that in my moments where I feel like I'm in a virtual prison. It's really interesting. A friend of mine is a commissioner for the prison um, system in the UK. And she was telling me that um, their aim by 2025 is that every prison room has a window. And from the window, the prisoner can see green space. Because it's scientifically proven that if prisoners can see green space, they're likely to not re-offend because they have vision for their freedom. How amazing would it be if we had vision for our freedom? For the current situations that we're walking through, those difficult situations that we try to ignore or that we're actually living through on a day-to-day basis and that are pulling us down. We of the church have the answer to everyone's life problems. We may not be able to cure it. We may not be able to flick a a switch and it be sorted. But we can gain heaven's outlook on our current situation. And I really want to take some time this morning um, in a wee bit just to spend some time with the Lord and say, what is my vision? What are you telling me about my current situation? How am am I to steward this season I'm in? When I left Bethel, I wasn't sure if I um, was going to be a lawyer again. I didn't know if I was going into full-time ministry, if I was to be an apprentice. I had no idea. And I am an impatient person, and I quite like control. So I went before the Lord in my quiet time and was like, okay, tell me about next year. And he took me into this vision and he opened a storehouse and I walked into this storehouse and I could tangibly see items that I'd spoken about during the day so I'd spoken about wine glasses and there was wine glasses in this storehouse and I was going around in wonder at how the Lord produced every word I said in physical form and I came out of the storehouse and I was like that was really great God but what am I doing next year they didn't answer it So he took me to another storehouse, and as I entered it, all that was there was Jesus in this white storehouse, and he was doing carpentry. And I was like, wow, my next year is all about Jesus. That's great. And so I left the storehouse, and I was like, I know what I'm doing next year. It's just about Jesus. And God was like, no, you're going to be an apprentice like Jesus until the age of 30. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds, that sounds great. So I clung on to that word. And I knew that I was 29 at the time. I had a year season, and it was about being an apprentice. 
And so it's made my year so much easier to say yes to certain things and no to others. And I'm currently doing a master's to make me an apprentice. And I got to say yes to it, and I get to say yes to it every day. And in the times where it's hard, because I want to see friends that I can't, because I don't have the time, I'm like, I've got a vision. I've got a vision for my season. And though it's tough, it's what the Lord has for me. That vision was about 10 seconds long. But it's dictating my path with Jesus every single day for a year. So I quite like mnemonics since I'm studying. So here's a mnemonic for you. The word vision. How can we get a vision for our life? And the question I get asked a lot is, I don't really have dreams and visions from the Lord. No, but he'll talk to you some way. And no two people are the same. He might be a quiet whisper in the dead of night. He might be in a piece of music. But he does talk to you because he cares for you and he loves you. He's actually talking continuously at us. We just choose to listen occasionally. So vision. The V. Vulnerability. We as a church need to be transparent of each other. Where are we at? Do we come into church and go, Hi, yeah, everything's great. This week's been awesome. I'm having such a lovely time. Life's great. Here's my Instagram picture from last week. It's fabulous. My family, yeah, they're all happy, no arguments, no, 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 no bickering on the way to church, none. Or are we saying, this is, this is a season I'm in, I'm really struggling, and I need your prayer support. It's a season, it will end, I don't know when, but I need your help. I, in a sanctuary, guys, time with God. Why is it always the last thing we do as a church is go, oh, I'm having trouble, I'm just going to withdraw and go to God. Instead, we're like, I'm going to talk to every person in my phone book, and then eventually when no one picks up, I might spend some time with God. It's so crucial. So S, steward. Are we stewarding a word of God for our season? Do we have a rhema word? A word that's over our life for this season? that you can cling on to in the dead of night when things are tough. Your rhema word isn't your life verse. It's not the one you repeat when someone asks you what your life verse is. It may be a season of two days, but it's the thing that gets you through. I invest. We believe in Jesus. Do we invest in Jesus? It was so tough for me to take two years out of my career and go to Bethel. I honestly thought, I was bitter. I honestly thought I was giving up my career for life. But I sowed seeds that future generations will inherit from. And whether it's just having a podcast that you listen to on the way to work, or a book that you don't have the time to read, but you can make time, invest in what you're doing in this season. Whatever you're struggling with, there will be a godly version of a self-help, of someone who's walked your walk before you. Oh, others, we are a community, we are a family, we're here for each other. 
you weren't meant to walk alone. Those guys in the prison, what were they saying? My brother, love my brother. They're all in community. They, they build each other up. They give each other scripture. They give each other words of prophecy, words of encouragement. We are the person next to us, Jonathan to their David. We're a family, and what do we do? We support each other. So the end has to be we don't give up, not giving up. That we're going to get a vision for the season we're in, and we're going to stay on path, and we're not going to be dismayed, and we're going to believe Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, that he is triumphant, and that he will come through, and that he'll bring the breakthrough that you've been desiring. So you might not remember what I said in my first sentence, but you are the light of the world. And with vision, we were made to shine. Whatever prison you feel you're in today, freedom is available. If we focus on Jesus and we get a vision or a word, a rhema word for the season, I promise you that burden's going to lift. That's a biblical promise. Cast all of your anxieties on him. We as a church should be the strongest networking community there is in the world. We should be the healthiest, the happiest, the most joy-filled, the most successful. We should be the people that the world comes to because they're attracted by our light, by the freedom we carry. So as the worship team start, I just want us to take a moment with the Lord just to get your vision. And if you currently are in the palace, then get a vision for someone who's currently taking the 13 years it took Joseph to get from his home to the palace. Because that was a long haul for him. 13 years to get his freedom. 13 years to get to where he was called to be from the vision that he received. And as I say, we're in community. So when we are in the palace, when life is good, that's our time to be an even brighter light, to join forces with the person next to us and say, I'm going to shine for you today because I've got Jesus in me and I've got plenty to go around. So just ask God, what's my word? What's my direction? How long is this season? What's your vision for me? What's your vision for my family, for my children? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to wrap up now. Um, but Jess and I will be down the front if you would like prayer of any type or a word. And please come forward. Hallelujah. Fiona, we just thank you for sharing and uh, carrying God's heart to us as a church as well and inspiring us. We, we're going to stand together in our last song, but 
so much of what um, Fiona said to us this morning has rang, rang true in my heart for us and about seasons and embracing the seasons and having a vision. I've always felt vision is such an important thing to have in our lives. And, and this morning as we stand to, to worship, um, and if you've got to go, great. Uh, the kids are going to be brought through to us this morning, so parents don't feel that you've got to rush through. But uh, can I encourage, if you want to respond in, uh, to what Fiona shared this morning, that you just come and there's an opportunity for Fiona while she's here to pray, pray over us and pray for that fresh vision to come. And maybe we feel that we're in a season of imp- imprisonment in our lives. And let, let's just pray and be open for God to move in our hearts and lives this morning. So just let's stand together if we can. Let's worship together. Uh, if you've got to go, be released. But let's also emb- embrace this moment and this opportunity to respond to Father God's heart. So I would encourage you, fresh vision, maybe it's about vision, maybe it's about the season that you're in, but it'd be great to stand together in prayer and respond to God this morning. Thanks, Tim. So be blessed. Our thanks to Fiona this morning for sharing. We've been encouraged to shine, let our light shine, and we pray that you be released courageously Just as Joseph was courageous with the vision that he had, the word that was over his life, pray, Heavenly Father, over each in our seasons, wherever we are right now, that you would give us a word in season. Wherever we are right now, at this very moment, you give a word in season over family, over home. I pray particularly for people in work, the word in season, in work and life, at this very moment in time that we may steward the word that's in season, the rhema, the living word in our hearts and lives. I pray for a release in us and amongst us as we go out from here, that we may be released to shine, shine in your love and shine in your goodness, we pray, in your power and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to continue to sing. Be blessed. We're going to continue to pray. If you'd like to come forward, there'll be folks here that would love to pray with you. You need to get away. God bless you. But if you'd like to receive prayer, then please feel free to come forward. God bless you.